So we're continuing our series on unity, and uh, you know, there's only so much that you can talk about unity, but the reality is that unity, without it, we, we have nothing. Without unity, we're not a church, and without unity, uh, we can't hear exactly what the Lord or what the Spirit is telling us in the season, so we're going to cover the things that have been talked about in these past sermons. So... Uh, Sermon one, we talked about how unity is our secret weapon. How many of you were here for the very first sermon that Pastor Josh taught? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, unity with Jesus. We also talked about being united with the Holy Spirit. We spoke about being united with the body of Christ and becoming one for many. Was anyone here last week for the uh, diversity sermon about different gifts that God had given us. So I hope you've been unpacking what the Lord has spoken into your life as far as spiritual giftings that he has given to each and every one of you. Did anyone receive anything last week? Okay, awesome. I got a lot of confirmation from people saying this is exactly what the Lord has been showing me and I didn't know what it was, but now he's spoken to me what he wants me to have or what he wants me to develop. So praise God for that. This morning, we are talking about united or being united under the banner. United under the banner. And so I know it sounds a little cliche, right? It's 4th of July and we're talking about the Star Spangled Banner and such. But there is a more important uh, banner that believers are under, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So, you know, we, we love, again, we love the United States. We love seeing our flag displayed, and we love seeing what it represents, but there is a bigger and better banner that the Lord has given us for us to pledge allegiance to. So before we go into the sermon, let's go ahead and pray, and then we could go in to today's sermon. Father, we thank you so much this morning, God. We thank you for the freedom, the liberty that not only this nation provides for us, God, but what your spirit gives us, Father. I thank you, Lord, that where your spirit is, there is liberty. And Father, we just give you full reign, Father, of what, what happens, what is spoken, and how we respond. Holy Spirit, draw everyone near. And Father, we ask that you be lifted up always in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So united under the banner. We're going to be in Exodus 17 this morning. Exodus 17, if you have your Bibles. If not, then you'll follow along on the screen. But I want to give you a little bit of context about where we are in the story. So Exodus is a story about the Exodus, right? The Israelites leaving Egypt, and they're finally going to the promised land. <clears throat> so Exodus 12, we have the event of the Passover. Does anyone remember the story where they're told to pretty much drench their doorposts with blood and, and the Spirit will pass over them and they will live if they obey? And so they, they leave Egypt, they cross the sea, and now they're walking in the wilderness. And this is where we're at uh, in Exodus 17. You know, something that happens with, with us believers is that we don't realize that God sometimes just wants you to be obedient, even in the strangest ways. And so I'll give you an example. Um, how many of you, God has told you to pray for somebody and you've said, no, Lord, that's strange for me to pray for this stranger. Has anyone ever been there? Or you pass that person, you say, man, I should have turned back. I should, I should give them what the Lord told me to give them. Sometimes the Lord 
He wants you to be obedient in the strangest and even the simplest ways. That's what happens with the story of the Israelites. And now, I, I know a lot of people bash the Israelites. They say, man, they did not want to eat manna. They got tired of the manna. How many of you guys can eat at the same restaurant every day? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Subway every day, someone said. I really think that most of us would not be able to enjoy the, the wilderness season even without Wi-Fi, even without a cell phone. And here we are, oh, those hard-headed Israelites, they didn't want to eat the manna. They wanted quail. They wanted some meat. But how would we respond? You know, put yourself in their situation, in their place, and you'll see that sometimes obedience doesn't mean that you get an, a, your own opinion with it. You just do what the Lord says for you to do. And so Israelite, uh, Exodus 17, the Israelites are camped at a place called Rephidim, and um, the people were thirsty. They're, they're wanting some water. Moses strikes the stone, and water comes out. And uh, this is where we're getting to now in verse 8 of Exodus 17. So it says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. So Moses said to Joshua, or excuse me, Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Verse 10, So Joshua did as Moses told him, and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the mountain. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. Interesting, right? Verse 12, but Moses' hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. While Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Verse 13, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Verse 15, and Moses built an altar and called the name of it. Let's all say this together. The Lord is my banner, saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So I find it interesting that uh, the concept of Moses holding his hands up, specifically with the staff in his hands, and the nation of Israel would prevail, they'd win. But whenever he would lower the staff, They'd lose, they'd retract, they'd, they'd lose everything that they had already won. And I always found the passage interesting, interesting that Moses decided to write down and to name the place, the Lord is my banner, right? I mean, does that sound pretty strange? Instead of him saying, the Lord is the victor, the Lord is the commander, the Lord is the general of the army, he's saying, the Lord is my banner, and I always thought, What's the significance of that word, and why does Moses use that? Well, we're going to find out this morning. But God uses supernatural ways for his people to see that he is God. It happens time and time again. God uses supernatural means and methods so that we can know that he is God. So let's look at some of the meanings real quick, reading that story. And for those of you who know anything about me, I love Hebrew. I love getting into the original text, and so... Amalek 
that name in Hebrew actually means a dweller in the valley. Now, it doesn't take a mature Christian to realize a dweller in the valley doesn't sound like a good thing, right? I mean, it's like, it's like taking an alley in a very shady neighborhood, okay? You probably don't want to do that unless there's lights and policemen around. Amalek is a dweller in the valley. He was physically a descendant of Esau, but notice that God says that for generation through generation, there's going to be war against this person's descendants. I think spiritually we could understand what he's talking about, right? That there is a dweller in a valley, and he's always opposed. Notice Israel was just going to cross through. They were going to camp out. Instead, Amalek raised up a war against Israel. Rephidim, the actual place that we talked about, is actually rest or stay or resting places in Hebrew. So isn't that interesting? The place that the Israelites were going to get into to just take a break. And here comes the dweller in the valley. It sounds almost like our walk in the Christian faith, right? It sounds like sometimes the Lord call you to, to go somewhere, to be somewhere, to do something, and you thought you were going to get rest, and instead, here comes the devil and his minions. So let me just show you how it would read if we were to use the name meanings in that verse. Verse 8, then the dweller in the valley came and fought with God's people at the resting place. This is, it goes deeper than you understand. It, it's, it's showing us that even when you think the devil can't do something, he'll find a way to try to take your peace. And we have to understand that there is a banner that we have to run into. There's a banner that we have to lift up in order for us to be victorious, especially to be united. So, Let's go back to the, the, the new title, the new revelation. I, I just want to introduce this to you guys if you haven't heard it. Every time you see a name of God appear for the first time in the Bible, in Scripture, it's because someone received a new revelation about Jesus, about God. So I was sitting in my chair during, during worship, and the phrase came up, and the Lord said, I am king. I am king Jesus. And I, and I started weeping, and I said, Lord I've known this, but I received a revelation. You are Jesus, the King. You see, sometimes in life when we go through things, we get revelations and we attribute who God is at that moment in our life. And so this is exactly what happened here. Jehovah Nisi, the, the word that we use, is translated into the Lord is my banner. And I always thought that was interesting so I look up the Hebrew word for banner there, and it's the word nace. Everyone say nace. So nace actually means something that is lifted up, something that's set on a pole, something that is a standard, a signal, a sign, even sometimes a flag. And so I always thought it was interesting that the Lord is our flag. What flag were they using? There was no flag. But why did Moses come up with this? We're going to see how it's threaded throughout Scripture of how the Lord is our banner. So I just want to give you some examples here. How many of you guys have known the Lord as the shepherd at one point in your life where he makes you lie down? He doesn't ask you. He'll make you lie down and take some rest. 
You've seen the Lord as the Lord, my shepherd. And so that's going to come into play with where we end up with this subject on the banner. So I'm going to take you to, to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. And the context of this is the people are in the wilderness again impatient. The Wi-Fi wasn't working. Their phones were getting uncharged and the kids were crying. No one knew what they wanted to eat. I'm just trying to make it a little more relatable, right? And so what happened? They started becoming impatient. And this is verse 6. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people. Notice the devil didn't send the serpents. Sometimes the Lord can use evil for our own good. So, <laughs> it bit the people so that many people of Israel died. Unfortunately, verse 7, And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Wow, what a guy, right? I mean... That takes a lot to intercede for a, a people that are just talking and, and, and complaining over and over again. Verse 8, And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, what's going to happen? They shall live. Verse 9, So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent, a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. It sounds funny, right? We, we, we preach about don't worship idols, don't bow to idols, and here's God telling Moses, go ahead and hammer out a serpent of bronze, and I want you to put it on a pole. I mean, Lord, didn't you say that we should not bow or, or worship any idols? And here you are instructing your servant who gave those commandments to your people to make a bronze serpent. Does that ever, does that ever cross your mind how that text even showed up? Well, what we see is that the exact same word for setting on a pole is the exact same word, nace. You shall make a serpent and you shall put him as a sign. You shall put him as a banner. And when people are bitten, they will look to the sign, to the banner, and they will live. Now, you don't have to get so theologically in debt into this. You just have to see that God is just calling you to obedience. There was nothing special about the serpent. There was nothing special about the pole or the stake that he was on. The obedience part was what, what, what kept the people alive. If you were bitten, you just simply look and you would live. And so this is where we're at today. To set it on a pole means to lift it up, to elevate it for all to see. So Moses lifted up a banner, right? The, the staff of the Lord in his hand. And, the, and Israel prevailed. And then they lifted up a bronze serpent so Israel could live. And this is all going in as a thread throughout Scripture. Uh, psalm chapter 60. This is a psalm of David. And look at what he says in verse, uh, we'll read from 1 through 5. Oh God, you have rejected us. Broken our defenses. You have been angry. Oh, restore us. You have made the land quake. You have Torn it open, repair its breaches, breaches, excuse me, for it totters. My goodness. Not the breaches, man. That's, that's a Rick James version. Sorry. It's a... 
Verse 3, my Spanish is jumping in there. You have made your people see hard things. You have given us wine to drink that made us stagger. Look at this right here. You have set up a... You have set up a... For those who fear you, that they may flee to it from the bow. Selah, that means take a pause, take a rest, meditate on that. You have set up a banner... For those who fear you. That word banner is nace again. You have set up a sign, a signal. You have lifted something up that when people who fear you see it, what's going to happen? They can flee to it from the bow. Verse 5, that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer us. You know, our banner... It's not a, a flag with, with 50 stars and, and stripes, but we have a different banner as believers in Christ. There is a banner that God has lifted up, and that banner unites us together. And so in that banner, we have security. We have peace. I love what David said. He says, you lift it up, and people who are fleeing, people who are scared for their lives will go to it. It's a place of security, of safety. And it's that same word again for banner, nace. So what else has God lifted up as a banner? Well, there's a lot of uh, mosaic or messianic um, prophecies in Scripture, and a lot of them actually involve that word nace for banner. So let's go to Isaiah 11, verse 10. And this is concerning Jesus the Messiah that God had to raise for... His purpose of salvation. Verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal. That's the word nace. Shall stand as a signal, a banner for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant of the remains of his people from Assyria to Egypt, or from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, from all the coastlands of the sea. Look at this, verse 12. He will raise a signal. Guess what that word is in Hebrew? Nace. He's going to lift up a banner. For the nations, and he'll assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. This is a theme that when the Lord lifts up a banner, when the Lord lifts up a standard, a person, this, he lifts up this anointed person, something happens. The nations see it. People are going to see the sign, and they're going to want to go to it. It's a, it's a common thread throughout Scripture. Now, I could, very, I could get into hermeneutics and, and all these things, a biblical interpretation. Let me make it simple for you. Sometimes the Bible has prophecies that are half fulfilled. For instance, we just read right here that the Messiah is going to come from the root of Jesse and that all these people are going to come home. Well, Jesus was born maybe 30 A.D. or, or, or um, passed in 30 A.D., but he was born and in his lifetime Still, the exiles of Israel, of Jerusalem, of Judea had not all come back. So part of this scripture was fulfilled, but not entirely. Where else could this scripture have been partially fulfilled? I find it very interesting that at Pentecost, 
In Acts chapter 2, they were gathered, 120 Galilean Jewish men, in a room, praying, waiting for the Holy Spirit. And they receive the Holy Spirit. They start speaking in these tongues. And people from the countries that came for this pilgrimage to Pentecost were from the countries listed here. What happened to those people? They heard the message of Jesus Christ and 3,000 souls were added. There was something that happened when the name of Jesus, the resurrected Messiah, was lifted up. When he was lifted up, these men could not stand but to give their life to Jesus. When Jesus is lifted up, something changes. Something happens. Let's go to the gospel of John chapter 3. Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus, verse 12. And he's having this very deep theological conversation. He says, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe it? If I tell you heavenly things, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Look at verse 14. And as Moses lifted up, there's that key, those key words, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. The theme is lifting up. It is exalting this person, this sign, this thing. And, and, and we see that Jesus said, just like Moses, the teacher, the, the, the scribe of these laws, just like he wrote that he had to lift up this banner and he had to lift up this serpent so that the people could live, so the Son of Man has to be lifted up. And not only to be healed from a bite, but to have eternal life but he has to be lifted up jesus is telling uh nicodemus like god told the israelites if you simply look up you'll live and so this is what happens with jesus as he was born he was lifted up as a sign for the nations to see john 12 verse 30 jesus is is telling us again how he is the banner Verse 30 says, Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Verse 32, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Verse 33, he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. You see, our banner is Jesus the Messiah. I love the way that, that the scriptures tell us that we preach Christ crucified. He was, he was lifted up on the cross, but not only was that the first part of an ascension off the ground, but he ascended into heaven. And scripture says he stands at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. I just find it interesting that the Lord has been lifting up signs for his people since the beginning. And Jesus has been the banner for us. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Don't go to sleep yet. We still got some other things. <laughs> After 70 AD, the destruction of the temple happened. The, the citizens of Jerusalem were exiled and, and Judea was pretty much nothing anymore after the Romans destroyed it. 
And something happened, though, in 1948. For about 100 years or so, they had been planning to rebirth a Jewish state so that the Jewish people could have a homeland. And I find it interesting that they used a banner, and as soon as a banner, this flag was lifted up, all the exiles started coming home. Now you're saying, Isaac, that's a little far-fetched. Well, no, I could show you at least 31 scriptures that involve this word nace, specifically with the exiles of Israel. Isaiah 49, verse 22, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations and raise my signal. Nace, banner, to the peoples, and they shall bring your sons in their arms and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. And to this day, believe it or not, we have a couple of photos that we can show you. To this day, over 3.3 million Jewish exiles have returned home because a sign, a banner, a signal was lifted up and these people from the north, the east, the south, and the west, just like scripture says, have decided I need to go home. I'm going to leave everything that I've known here and I have to go home. They have to go home. It's a signal that God lifts up and if you're God's people, if, you call, if we call ourselves God's people, then we have to be very uh, observant on what sign he's lifting up or what he's saying now that we know Jesus is the Messiah. What is he saying to his people for unity? Yeah. Philippians 2 verse 8, and being found in human form, Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming o- obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. This is the reality. Moses, without even knowing, I'm sure later on in his life, he received the revelation that what he was doing, lifting up the staff that was representing Christ, and he said, Lord, I don't know how this works. I don't know how you're going to use the Messiah, but you're telling me to do this, and I see what you're doing. I wish your people could see this revelation, but they can't. They're not there yet, but I'm lifting up that sign so that there's victory. And with the serpent, I'm lifting up that serpent so that there's life. But Jesus said, when I'm lifted up, you'll have everlasting life. So not only healing, not only security, not only peace, but you'll have everlasting life. And it's in that name. It's in the name that's above every name. That's our banner. Our banner is Jesus the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So as much as I love This country, I love America, I love it, but I pledge my allegiance before anything to Jesus the Messiah. And I don't know where you've been at in your life, but I've had some pretty rough places, some rough rough patches in my life, but I know that when I look to that banner, there's safety, there's security, there's grace, there's love, there's hope. There's a new start, there's a new creation, there's a new beginning. 
There is new life. There is eternal life. It's all in the banner of Jesus. Psalm 60 says this. Verse 4, you have set up a banner for those who fear you. And I love it because there's a lot of times that we fear other things before the Lord. There's some of us that have feared fear itself, stress, anxiety. There's some of us that have run to a banner of religion of Sunday morning is it. Sunday morning is all I need. A devotional is all I need. No, we need to be under the banner of Jesus. Look what's happening to our country. People are not satisfied being under the banner that has represented us, and they want to raise their own banner. This is the flag that I pledge my allegiance to. This represents my ideas. This represents what I think is right. And here's a church following along. I'll follow you. For social justice, I'll follow you. There is no social justice in God. There's only justice. Justice goes every way. So before we start following a narrative on what we need to say or what we need to do, we go back to the banner that represents everything for us. And I just love that verse 5, that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation. Can you guess what the word salvation is in Hebrew? It says, give Yeshua. Give salvation. That's a name that we call Jesus in Hebrew. Give Yeshua by your right hand. Notice how Jesus is always at the right hand of God. It's scripture telling us that in Jesus there is not only salvation, but there is strength, there's security, there's peace. The resting place that you need to get to is all in Jesus. So I want to ask you this morning, Who or what is your banner? Who or what is your banner? What is it that maybe you've been kneeling down to? Maybe you've been bowing to? Maybe something that you say, this represents me. Maybe it's your success. This is my banner. Look at me. I'm successful. Look at my banner. I have security in myself. Be careful. Be careful. Our banner needs to be Jesus. Our banner needs to be the Lord. Maybe it's just a banner of saying, I'm I'm a good enough person that the good man, the good Lord upstairs is going to let me into heaven. If you truly believe that Jesus was your banner, you would say, I'm the worst person that he could have saved. But he loved me enough to save me. (laughs) 